Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of cognac, the show of Greek and Roman mythology, London, Brazil, and so much more with today's guest, Zara Bates of Cravazier Cognac, the national brand ambassador. This recent chapter led Zara and I to chat during the San Antonio Cocktail Conference, talking about all kinds of things, but one thing is very clear, Zara is a student of the world, a student of the classics, and hospitality gave her what she was looking for as a shy individual. And as she says, you come into the hospitality industry finding the thing you never knew you were looking for. Or did you know you were looking for it all along? So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Zara Bates. Because the first year that this, like the the event, had volunteers, yeah. every meal, like people were obviously, it was so kind and so generous for people to feed us while we yeah. were working. But every meal, they're like, "Oh, we're in San Antonio. We should definitely, because all these people were visiting Talk, from other of parts of the yeah, country. Yeah. We should make sure that they get San Antonio tacos, right? Or you know, they should get um, burritos. So it was always tacos." Every meal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with tacos every meal? Well, this is the really funny bit: is that when uh, we actually finished and we didn't, we all went to dinner together, yeah. or we actually all went to lunch together, and we didn't have to get tacos. We all got tacos. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, we're going all the way. <laughs> it's, like, it's like almost like going to a white elephant party, and then everybody buys the same exactly. gift. Exactly. It's like, wait, really? You knew what I wanted. I knew what you wanted. I thought you wanted this, and it's the same thing. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think all of us just want tacos. Who doesn't want tacos? I don't really I know who doesn't. I don't doesn't. trust anyone who doesn't like tacos. <laughs> Have you ever it. met anybody that said, oh, tacos, they're just not for me? If I have, I probably have blocked it out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's traumatic. <laughs> I mean, and I don't want to give tacos too, too much press or too much credit, but the, the fundamental concept of having a starch wrapping around a protein with another starch and flavor and spices, herbs and all that, I mean, that's that's Greek. You've got a Greek wrap. You've got, well, I mean, sandwich, a hamburger. Like, everybody has their version of it. It's the perfect way to deliver. Egg they're, rolls. They're, oh, yes. they're all basically, or spring rolls as well. Yeah. They're all ways to carry your food with you when you go to work. A food vehicle. <laughs> it really is. It really is. All right, so this is good. Now I'm hungry, so we're going to get out of here. We're going to have to get some tacos. But it's, there's a lot to talk about. You studied in London, it looks like. You're living in L.A. You grew up in Morocco. This is a very rich, jet-setter kind of lifestyle. So let's kind of take it back. And so you are born and raised in Morocco, is that right? No, I was born in Morocco. My father is American. My mother's Moroccan. Oh, interesting. My father was stationed in Germany at the time. Uh And he was on um, TDY, so they were doing a lot of their kind of military tests and that sort of thing. (laughs) And my mother's like, "Uh, I'm going home. (laughs) I'm not doing this by myself. So I was born in Morocco. Um, all of, almost all of my Moroccan family is either in Morocco or Europe. 
Um, my father's side of the family is um, mainly in West Virginia. No kidding. Yes. That is a very interesting disparate collection of like... Most definitely. Well, it, I think it runs in my father's side of the family to like the opposites attract. My grandmother was a Jehovah's Witness. My grandfather is an atheist. <laughs> My mother's Muslim. My father's agnostic. They're getting closer and closer together. Well, you know what's great about that? You got all in and then nothing. Yes. It averages out to right in the middle. Exactly. Good, great moderate religious beliefs. Which but is the wonderful thing. thing is the core value that both sides shared yeah. is that be good to people. Be kind to one another. Amazing. Treat thing. each other with respect and generosity. And um, I think that those are pretty much the core values of the hospitality industry. I think so, too. I think that the hospitality industry... It, maybe it's a uh, imp- rather like a metaphor for how people should be because you true you ever notice so people that treat each other poorly they'll go in and they'll treat their servers poorly that's quite true. it's it's I very strange that's very true i don't know that i've met somebody that is really terrible to people but nice to the service industry like it's just it's another it's like a a petri dish of us in our purest forms of how we're going to interact with each other as a kind of, if you're going to say, okay, this is a general rule, I would say that I agree with that. But yeah. there are occasions, everybody no, has a bad day. Yeah. Everybody has a bad day. Yeah, People go true. through things. And sometimes, like, if that is generally how they are, I worry. Yeah. But if sometimes people have a bad day because you never know what they're coming from. Right. One of the experiences that I had that kind of formed me as a, a person within this industry was coming across somebody that was really acting poorly towards me. but In, in which sense? In, in the sense that he was yelling, kind of slamming things on the bar top. Very, very di- um, disproportionately reacting in an angry way. Got it. Blowing things out of proportion, right? But what I found out was that as I kept being kind yeah. and showing generosity, he actually broke down and started crying and said, I just found out that my brother is diagnosed with a degenerative disease that right. is not only, and his only sibling, not only going to rob him of his health and his life, but also of all of his memories. So even, he, wow. essentially, he's going to be dying alone, even, Ultimately, wh- even when I'm there with his, thing, right? with him. But yeah. he was a young person. Oh he wasn't an old person. Yeah. So to see your only sibling going through that, he was devastated. Yeah. And he was reacting out of that. And that's, we have that onus to be kind and generous even when the person in front of us isn't being that way because yeah. you never know where they're coming from. You never know what they're dealing with in that day. Well, it's empathy, mm-hmm. right? It comes down so to true. that. So true. I feel like we're not trying, it's interesting. So we, we bring it, uh, let's bring it up a layer, you know, and talk mm-hmm. about societal things and kind of social things. But do you feel like people are losing outside of hospitality? I think we're, mm-hmm. we're doing pretty good there. On the streets, at yes. work, do you think we're losing the ability to empathize with each other? I think we're losing the ability to recognize because we don't interact with humans as much as we used to. That's a great point. Yeah. Which, thankfully, for the hospitality industry, we provide a space for humans to congregate and have human interaction. Yeah. No shortcuts there. there. You have to show up. You, you have to look someone in the face and order something from them, and you have to sit next to another human being. Yeah. So we're, al- we're keeping alive that ability to connect and empathize with one another, because that's, and that's why bars and restaurants keep growing at an exponential rate. Yeah. It's not just the fact that, oh, the cocktail, it's the 
golden revival of the cocktail as well. Consider it's this right. happened at the same time as the internet age really started taking effect and we spent so much of our lives either on a smartphone or sitting in a at a desk looking at a screen i never thought people needed to reach out to one another and that that was a convergence of two things coming together to kind of bring this industry back to life i I think you're right do you so do you listen to music pretty often i do (laughs) me too right so we love love music so vinyl is being it keeps increasing as this section of the market because i mean i think at least that you have to experience it you have to be there you've got to pick up the needle and you've got to move it and so to your point maybe you think that there's this vacuum created that all the technology and as i kind of pantomime holding a phone to my face (laughs) like that this is causing us to really seek out and crave those interpersonal connections i think so because a human baby actually can't survive if they're not held and touched humans need interaction with others we will always search each other out because we need one another and to be able to be part of an industry that fills that need i feel very honored and we're counselors in a sense aren't we absolutely well not me as much but (laughs) no it's true i mean who gets the chance i mean people are always being talked at but who are the listeners of the world it really is people standing behind bars it's so strange i never thought that you could parlay being in the hospitality industry as being the pressure release valve for very, very egocentric technology use, right? And absolutely. That was a very wordy way to put it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Okay, so then, then it makes me wonder. So, Zara, you've got this amazing kind of concoction of backgrounds genetically, <laughs> you know? Yes. And if I understand correctly, you were thinking, though, well, I'd like to study linguists. I would like to study English. And so you pursued that in London, is that right? I was a bartender in Los Angeles at the time, and uh, my boss at the time had brought in back-to-back a bartender from Brazil. Mm -hmm. I've been bartending for a very long time. (laughs) This was back when cappuccinos and mojitos were like a big deal. The thing. They they got really, that's what, in 1994. Oh, my God. He brought in a bartender from Brazil, and then back-to-back he brought in a bartender um, from uh, Cuba. Not directly, obviously, yeah. <laughs> back then it was really strict. It was but a he, strange boat he, kind of thing. Right? He brought them in to teach us about, this is how you make a daiquiri properly. This is how our country makes daiquiris and mojitos. And then this is how our country makes... The United States does not make caparinas the way that gauchos yeah. consume caparinas. Okay. But we were. he was generous enough with his view and what he loved to make sure that we were able to offer that to our guests that he brought and i got very excited at that point in, in 94? curiosity in 94 that's way ahead of this time so in i started traveling to different countries so i went to cuba i went to mexico to i started traveling jamaica I, to places that had rum or that did cocktails that i'd always loved like yeah. punch and yeah, yeah. found out what they did there and tried to kind of build my knowledge. And when I was in Cuba, I came across bartenders from London in Cuba. And we started talking and I told them about my curiosity and they said, you have to come to London. This is, we're really starting to kind of move stuff in in this direction. Because all I was talking about was, okay, well, I've had all these cocktails (laughs) in the Caribbean. I'm like, I need need to know more. So I went back home to Los Angeles in 1998 and went back to school, started studying so I could apply for a student visa 
to go to London. So I got went and applied and got accepted in London. Yeah. <laughs> and accepted an, in London to Westminster University whilst I was doing my degree there. And I figured if I'm going to do a degree there, I might as well be in things that I love. So I got a degree in English literature and That's linguistics. Incredible. And during that time, I worked at um, the Sanderson Hotel and at a place called 57 German Street mm-hmm. and really got a serious education I, in wh- cocktail making there. Why would I may have heard of 57 German Street? 57 German Street was a members club, but it was the bar that the bartenders from Che used to go after their shift. Okay, okay. And Che at that time, this was from 2000 to 2006, Che at that time was considered the best bar in the world. And so they would come in and sit in front of my bar as I was making drinks and they would give me tips and I would ask them questions. And I've still, to this day, I can't believe that I was lucky enough to have them come to my bar and sit. And just because I was enthusiastic and, and they were helping me for nothing. That's incredible. But that's this industry. People want each other to succeed. I think so. I think so. I, I, We'll, we'll talk about kind of the, the future state of mm-hmm. what the hospitality industry is and maybe star tending and stuff like that. But, but I'm, I'm trying, I want to dig in a little bit deeper into, because you're saying you returned to school, which means you pursued it once already. Is that fair? Yeah, I did an associate's degree before then. but what, uh, Any area of focus? Because I'm trying to figure out what. I was studying the classics. so uh, <laughs> literature, literature again, yeah? <laughs> literature, but it was classic Greek and Roman mythology so is Homer what I was focused on. Virgil exactly. And things. Mm-hmm. Interesting, okay. I'm a nerd about everything. But so. I like that. <laughs> Do you, so, all right, we'll nerd out for a second. Who is your favorite, uh, we'll go Roman mythological character? I would probably have to say Minerva. Minerva. Tell me about Minerva, Minerva because she, yes, she was like the goddess of war, or whatever, yeah. but she was also um, the most, she was thoughtful. Okay. She planned things out. And I believe. Methodical or thoughtful? Me, well, she's <laughs> definitely both. Being <laughs> okay. methodical is very important to being behind a bar. And yeah. I feel that she was pretty incredible. And so Aries that. is her male counterpart, right? Yes. In Roman, okay. The, well, in no a, relation or are they married or? No, no. Um, she was actually born f- as a full adult out of Zeus's head. Interesting. It, that, that's her she story. She, she, she had no mother. She was born out of his mind. That's amazing. <laughs> he had a headache at one point and his head cracked open and she came out and she. <laughs> some, some great ideas, I think. So if you ever see an that owl, that's her animal that kind of is so her representative. So from Clash of the Titans, yeah. the owl that is with but Perseus, the, right? But that, that was that kind different? of like a melding of within, I know that movie. No, well, yeah, yeah. But no, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was supposed to kind of, it represents her, but I think that it also normally, um, I believe Mercury is yeah. the fleet of foot, uh-huh. but yeah, I think yeah. he was kind of melded into the owl as well. I see, okay. So but the owl, the owl definitely represent her because she's, she represents kind of knowledge and being methodical and really? kind of being very good at planning out um, kind of point-counterpoint war strategies. So it makes me wonder. You have this, it feels like a very, very deep, rich understanding of the classics of literature. Why did you not pursue that? Or you did and you shifted to hospitality. What happened there? I believe that the hospitality industry allowed me to use every aspect of myself and not just my mind. And I wanted really to, I considered it living a full life because the hospitality industry really pushes you emotionally, psychologically, 
um, you have to be able to be very thoughtful and concise sure. and you have to be a critical thinker, all of these things, but they have like to Minerva. be instantaneous right. when yeah. you see somebody walking into a room. Wow. You have to be able to do all of those things w and you have to sustain it for minimum eight hour shift. Yeah. The, most shifts are way longer than eight hours. Right. So, but you have to be able to sustain that. And I felt that that actually challenged me as a person. And I, that's why I fell in love with this industry so wholeheartedly. Man, there, it, it's funny because, so, you know, normally I'll get some ideas for questions as I'm talking to people. Uh -huh. Like, I want to, there's so many things I want to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, should we talk about literature? I mean, she was in London for a while, you know? <laughs> But it, well, I guess, so for someone that seems, so at least to me, down to earth, yet really insightful and erudite, L.A. Yes. I've got my perception about L.A., probably tainted slightly. But what took you there? Because you were in West Virginia, and that's kind of where you were raised, is that right? I was raised mainly on military bases. Got it, okay. So we were, um, my parents were stationed in Northern California, oh. and I wanted to not be that far away, right. but... I wanted to go to a you know big city, um, and I'd been going to San Francisco at the end of every month oh, with my okay. parents. So yeah, I was like, yeah. "Well, I want to keep exploring different parts of the country." And so I went down to Los Angeles and learned a lot while I was there of hospitality. Mm. Uh, and you would be surprised hearing that because a lot no, of people I'm, I'm don't open, think that, a lot of people that. don't think that about Los Angeles. But I happened, to, as I said, it really had to do with the bar that I was working at. Where did and you start working? I started working at a place called Bar Marmont okay. the first time I was behind a bar. And Sean McPherson was the owner there. And I, people in the hospitality industry in New York know that name because he's also moved on to open a number of hotels and bars in New Maybe. York. But he originated in he Los Angeles. In LA. <laughs> well, he, he originated like his restaurants and bars there. Mm. But he had a commitment to this industry. He had a clear focus and a passion of what it was that he wanted to do. And he wanted everybody that worked with his team to be as passionate as he was. Yeah. And so he shared that with us. So it seems like, was your lust, or, or lust, it's not a dirty word, I promise. <laughs> <It's a good laughs> your insatiability for knowledge and learning and culture, do you feel like the cocktail process really catered to how you like to think about the world? It's ingredients from Cuba, ingredients from, you know, I think, I think a lot of it actually comes down to the fact that I come from a military family. You'll notice that there are a lot of people that come from the military that end up either working in a kitchen yeah. or a restaurant or either front of house or back of house or behind a bar right. because there is a sense of structure to it and there is a sense of purpose to it in the same way you have in the same way that you say if you have a platoon mm -hmm. within the military, you have to rely on one another to make it through the next to the next You're day, every like, right. everybody lives. There's a, you know, that's well, no, the goal. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody left, no man left no, behind, but, right? Exactly, exactly. There, that's, yeah. So there's something, a very similar mentality about the hospitality industry is that you can't do it without the person standing next to you or the right. person that was prepping before you or your bar back. All of the, we, it takes a team to make something happen and which comes down to star tenders. Like they're yeah. really, what's, what's the point? You, nobody makes it alone. We need each other to get to where we go. Mm -hmm. And honoring one another is really important. That's and honoring the people that came before us is really important. Absolutely. Well, here's a really strange tangent. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's interesting, <laughs> versus where this is a very <laughs> strange tangent, one of the reasons that the Nazi Germany worked right. 
okay? Uh-huh. It was because they didn't pay, or, or they, you could say it slightly after this, but let's just put it this way, not paying homage to the history and the actual culturally relevant icons that brought us where we were. Right. Not paying homage to that allows you to create a new society which has no foundational skills or uh, compassions or ethics. Right. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. if you create a society out of nowhere, what do you have to stand on? Right. Because we just hey. we we say uh-huh. like, oh, the Constitution, but like we don't really think about Thomas Paine. We don't really think about Thomas Jefferson. We don't or think Adam about Adam Smith or that's right. Yeah. Edmund Burke. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so th- these kinds of things happen, and so we can say that star tending you can't do things without a team do you think that it is a problem that will continue to kind of expand and proliferate that central self-centeredness in this industry this is the thing you have to have a strong ego to work behind a bar sure because you have to be able to control a room so there will always be an aspect of it but the people that have longevity when i think of people that have done this really well for a very long time I think of people that really embrace the fact that nobody makes it alone. Right. People work well in teams. When I think of people like, say, Alex Day and Dave Kaplan, they're a strong team. Their support system is strong. They make sure that everybody shines within their team. And that, but they have longevity in the industry. When I think of somebody like Audrey Saunders, it's because she gives and gave knowledge to her team to make sure that they were able to succeed and in depth because she believes in her team. And these people are the ones that are going to keep continuing doing well because it's not about, oh, look at me, I'm so great. It's about, look at us, look what we can do together. Do you think you're destined, not you particularly, but do you think someone's destined to burn out if they don't play, if they don't allow the team dynamic to make them better? There, there is always a, a way of, when, when you say yes, 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 yeah. you're always going to, if you're always pulling from the well and not putting anything back, it is going to be difficult for yeah. you to be sustainable. Do you, do you feel like that's kind of really the nature of the universe, though, that it is a balance? You have to kind of replant look, look every at, tree that you dig Exactly. Out. Look at the, I mean, that's part of why working for the company that I work for and it being so important, water being so important, yeah. sustainability being so important is because of the fact that, they, because I work for Cavazier, if they stopped using like these pesticides because bees are dying out and we can't... Can't grow more bees. You, you, you can't, well, the thing is, well, is that really, they can't anyway. pollinate grapevines without bees. Right. So you have to <laughs> make sure... Exactly. Yeah. You have to make sure that everything that you do is going to give back to the earth that you're using. They have been growing wine there since 3 AD. Mm. They, to be able to continue with their traditions, it's a very small town with very small growers making this for all of the houses that are there. They have to honor the earth. They have to make sure that they give back what they take. Otherwise, they won't be able to survive past that. So Perfect metaphor for people, mm-hmm. right? So exactly. Pay homage work as a team, revere the things that you're kind of imbibing in. Exactly. Well, so, man, it's, it's such a wonderful palette of background academia. You've worked in hospitality for so long. I think I'm curious as to what that conversation was like to step from beyond behind the bar to beyond it and traveling around, talking to people, representing a brand. You've done other brand work, though, if I understand correctly, yes. right? How long have you been on the brand side of things? I've 
been on the brand side almost two years with Cavazier. Okay. I've done, like, worked as a bartender yeah. representing a brand for events or going to do something very sp- And a lot of bartenders do that. There are bartenders that that's their sole focus of how they work. Yeah. And it's a, it's a wonderful way to work, but you also, as you said, you have to keep feeding yourself, making sure that you are nurturing yourself. But the thing that I feel is the biggest change and the biggest difference is that it's a lot of working alone when you're representing a brand. When you're on the, on the road, right? Because your, your team is and, in the office yeah. and you're, you're kind of representing your team and making sure that you're looking out for your team's interests, but you, you're not with them all the time. Do Whereas, you like that? Do you like being kind of the lone gunman on the road? I am an only child, so oh, it, it comes in naturally. <laughs> but I really, that's what I love about working behind bars is that you have people that you rely on. It really is. The, people always say, oh, my bar family. It really becomes that close because you are physically constricted to work Absolutely. that closely with one yeah. another. So I miss that intimacy, even though I have a, a great, strong team and family feeling. It's just we don't see each other enough. Right. I want to see them more. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, it's, it's, do you like that? So a only child thing makes a lot of sense. Um, in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> I, I had a couple, you know, a few friends over the years that are uh-huh. only children. I'm like, oh, I get it. I get kind of gets it. So, how do you feel about the performance aspect of being on the road? For example, for example, facilitating a seminar, facilitating a training, which is kind of taking yourself away from the group dynamic and being on stage solo. I was terrible at it at first. Really? Because being behind a bar and the type of bartender I was Mm. is that I was the exact opposite of a star tender. Is that I felt when somebody sat at a seat in front of me at a bar, I took a spotlight and put it on them and made them the star of this experience. That was the whole point of them coming out is because how often did they get somebody to look after them? And because at work, you're working and you're trying to make sure that you achieve the goals that you're trying to achieve there. At yeah. home, there's also certain relationship goals that you have to achieve. But you go out and it's just a moment of looking after yourself, maintaining a, a conversation that's different than the norm. Right. But when I was standing out alone, being like, okay, pay attention to this guy now. You, I mean, you're the, the representative of this thing. And it took me a while to actually turn it around and say, well, I'm actually here to share something that these people have come into this room and they want to know. Got it, okay. So if I make it an interactive experience, make sure that they're part of this experience and that they're able to jump in whenever it is that they feel comfortable yeah. and make it a more an inviting experience, then that's when I started getting better. Because you probably felt better about it. Like it Much was better. Collaborative. Exactly. Because you are more team. Do you find yourself at times to be an egoist where your interests are the things that are most important? I, I'm getting the sense that that's a no. But It's, nev- it's never about my interest. Yeah. I try and consider myself to be the voice for our small growers for our cognacs. Yeah. So... We only work with growers that only have five hectares of land to 25 hectares of land. That's yeah. tiny. Yeah, yeah. And if, and one, they don't speak the language in the United States. And two, they don't ever really leave that area to come here. So who's going to speak 
for them? Yeah. Who's going to speak for like, our master blender and our team that's working and they stay inside the chateau or they stay go and look at the grapes or they're going to source the trees? I, I have to be the person that talks to it. So are, I'm yeah. representing them, not myself. That's a big responsibility, I, isn't it? It is a very big responsibility. And to be able to honor something that has traditions that go that far back is very important to me to make sure that I'm able to be as elegant as they are, yeah. be as kind and giving as they are. Otherwise, I would feel like I was failing them, I, not myself. I think that's a really lovely thing. It actually makes you cut out to be in a, and this is a, not a critical or <laughs> an invective, but perhaps you could serve your community politically too. Right? Does that ever interest you? I mean, that's a tangent. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't nope, have. No good. No good. I, I am. I'm only political in the sense that I want to make the world we live in a better place. Yeah. But the I feel that the way that we make the world a better place that we live in every city. I um, also have a nonprofit. Okay. Um, that's called Art Beyond the Glass, but it's all based in hospitality. Yeah. And. The great thing about this is it is the the core of who we are as hospitality providers is it's really about all we do is the organization of it. Yeah. And then local bartenders actually create the art. They create the kind of theme of the bar that they're going to have. They do tag team bartending. Everybody gets to experience it. And then all of the money raised gets reinvested, but in that local community. It can only be a local charity. That's amazing. So it makes the world a better place a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. I like that. So before, because I, I want to talk about this grape chapter. Yeah, <laughs> Let's call it the grape chapter. <laughs> but I do have one question kind of before that. Mm -hmm. In doing all of this amazing work for other people, making your patrons feel at home, making yes. your team feel aligned, do you feel like you give yourself what you need? Uh, whether it is spiritually, physically, you take the time out to take care of yourself, body, and mind? I am one of those people that is kind of those outgoing introverts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that I'm, a, when I was a child, I was incredibly shy to the point where if somebody looked at me, I would blush. Really? Um, and I need people, I feed off of the energy of having other people around me. Yeah. And I, I feel better and stronger as a person. That makes me feel good good about myself and strong and like is being with people that also want to make the world a better place. So that feeds me. Yeah. So it, I don't think that, like, I don't like going to spas. I, it's not. <laughs> do you like, like massages? I do not like massages. I'm really hard it's pressed to get a massage. Really, yeah. really. I find it very awkward. I have a friend called Carrie Ha. She and I both have like these little <laughs> photos of uh, those scary clowns like in the forest uh -huh. like, oh, like geez. this yeah, is yeah. what i see when you try to hug me oh my god <laughs> that's it's a, it's a running I joke like, between us I it's like really it, not that sense. bad it's really not that bad but, but um it used to be really bad it it really used to be that bad i was that shy yeah but this industry if there's a that's the main reason why I, really why i got drawn into being behind a bar is because I was so shy that I couldn't, I was afraid that I would never be able to live a, a really full life because I wasn't able to connect with other human beings. Wow. And this industry allowed me to have that, which is why I think it's so important for me to be parts of teams and to connect with others. That's incredible. I mean, that, is, that really is a moving piece. I don't think a lot of people go to the hospitality industry to learn how to connect with people. It's a way for them to demonstrate the way in which they can already connect with people, you know? 
partially, but, I think people come to this industry for what it is that they need. It yeah, gives you, yeah. it, it gives every person what they need. And if, if you're open to it, if you're willing to take what it has to offer, yeah. then uh, you can grow as a person, I think. That's really incredible. I, t- I mean, that's, it is touching. I'm not, I don't get touched that much. Not literally, but like <laughs> emotionally, you know. But that, that is, I think it's, it is much like life. You're going to get out of it what you're seeking to get out of it. Really lovely words. Thank you for that. Absolutely. So I think about, you talked about Cuba. So I think about sugar cane distillates. I think about uh, other kinds of things. But just these specific chapters, these specific disciplines and spirits. Yes. So here we are, the latest chapter with Cavassier, which is two years in, you're saying. Yes, two years in. What drew you to the amazing really, really underrated in a lot of ways, world of grape spirits. Cognac was, well, first I was very lucky because I worked in fine dining restaurants Mm. a lot of the time. I always had a sommelier to go and talk to, and they shared a lot of their knowledge about terroir, about varietals of grapes. Um, And then when I was in London, I was introduced to cognac, and I was introduced to cognac the category through Cavazier, which is, I think, like, anytime you're introduced to something during a very kind of potent time in your life, (laughs) you always have a very emotional attachment to that thing that you were introduced to. You're totally right. That's why certain women, you're like, wait, why did I date them? Oh, that period, right? So that, that is why I'm so attached to that, is because it was something that... Nostalgic kind of Absolutely, that opened up my world really to something that I hadn't had the chance to really have an in-depth knowledge about before. Yeah. Whereas I was in Southern California, my agave knowledge was like, we had, we were very lucky because we were so close to Mexico. Sure. I was able to actually go to Mexico and go to distilleries there. And when I was in Jamaica and when I was in Cuba, I was actually very immersed into the rums there. So yeah. I was having all of this knowledge, but I didn't actually get the knowledge about cognac until I went to London, and that was when I, as I said, I was really getting that education about yeah. the hospitality industry, and so I associated the two. And when I came back, I was offered a lot of different brand works, but I waited and waited and waited until it was the one that was right for me. It's amazing, and I was very, very lucky to be able to work with something that I personally has such an emotional attachment to. That's a, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to share that with people because yes. that's going to be something that jumps off the page when you're in a room. Absolutely. Being able to share the story, the narrative, what that looks like to be at the vineyards, right? Or Is that, is that the yes. right word for them? Absolutely. Yeah. So be, I, I love grape spirits now. I'm going to say because I like punk rock, I'm an Armagnac guy, right? Ooh, yes. Because <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit more rustic and that's not cognac producer's fault. That's more how people have embraced the spirit. Like, people don't really know about Armagnac in the States as much, you know? It, well, it's not as readily available. So it's, yeah. like, exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, it's it also a great product. And I am a big proponent of anything that actually gets people drinking in the category. Absolutely, helps yeah. everyone. Because there's room for everything in this industry. Yeah. I also love Pisco as well. Anything oh, yeah. that comes out of a grape, <laughs> I love. What's <laughs> oh, not a bad policy <laughs> to have. So tell me some things about so Cavassier. I'm absolutely familiar with the brand. What as a, let's say I've got a pretty tuned palate. Yes. I like sipping things that are oaky, but I also am okay with sipping things that are higher proof. Mm-hmm. Of the things you guys offer, what, what do you think is the best bottle for a little more medium level, moderate expert kind of drinker? So for our house, we 
every single bottle that we do, every um, mark, when I say a mark, it's either VS, VSOP, mm, right. XO, Napoleon. Every mark that we make has its own recipe. Oh, because, because if you think about um, varieties, varietals, mm. um, we're sourcing crews from different growing regions. It's similar to this. We mainly have the same varietal, which is Uni Blanc, right. but then we're sourcing from different growing regions, which are called crews. So when you source from those growing region, the actual grape itself tastes different. Therefore, the juice tastes different. Therefore, the eau de vie tastes yeah. different. Oh, eau de vie, thank you. Yeah. So, and then there is the aging process, whether it's in a dry cellar or a humid cellar. So, and how long it spends time in the wood really affects it as well. Right. So based on how long it's going to be spending time in the wood and where it was sourced from, it's really going to change the recipe of that mark. So because every mark legally has to be aged in different times, right, right. we actually make a recipe based on the fact that it has to be aged for different times. Which it makes lots of sense. <laughs> it's like wearing clothes that flatter you at certain ages, right? <laughs> right. It totally is. Is that a common thing for cognac? Or do they just use the same recipe and age it different areas? Every house is different yeah. because they're aiming to do something different. They're aiming for a house style. Right. So our house style, we want to stay as close as possible to the eau de vie. So we want you to know like wow. what that actual eau de vie tastes like right. we want to use the wood as an ingredient but not something that will cover up what's actually there gotcha so different houses want to like say they want to provide maybe some more oomph mm -hmm. they'll actually leave it in the wood for a little bit longer so you actually get something that's slightly weightier yeah so yeah. We, we are considered to be very subtle elegant um and um kind of we do have a lot of complexity. We are yeah. considered to be very aromatically complex. Interesting. So that is our specific house style. We can't have too much wood and still continue to be aromatically that complex. And I think that's a brilliant thing, and that's, that's a constant struggle with bourbons, right? People, they just assume, and I've seen it mm -hmm. firsthand. It's got, if it's a, if I only drink 12-year-old or over, older. It's like, well, why? What if a 7-year-old tastes good? You're not going to drink it? That's basically like turning down so many amazing pieces of art because it's like, well, it's it's not on canvas, it's on clay. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's so strange. And so it seems like the approach you guys take is exactly what it needs to be for each aging uh, container, I guess you could say. That's the goal. And also, when you're considering, like, say you're making a different type of cocktail, uh, you would never, for our house, I would never use um, one, like Mark, say like... I. I'm not going to use the VS to make champagne cocktails right. because the VSOP works so much better because that recipe actually does method traditionnel. So that's much closer. It has, and that's the same traditional method yeah, that yeah. champagne uses. So it just so very, makes sense to connect. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So different, and, and it has a, a viscosity to it because of that on the lees method. On the lees means that traditional method mm -hmm. of fermentation. So because that's available, like, I would prefer to do a sidecar with the VSOP because a lot of people say, oh, my sidecar tastes so thin. Well, it's because you're probably using something that has a clear wine fermentation and distillation process. So for that particular one, you might want to add a bar spoon of sugar into your shake. Yeah. Whereas if you're using something that isn't on the lees or traditional method fermentation and distillation style, you don't have to worry about more putting in that bar spoon of sugar. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So think about the base that you're using for the cocktail that you're trying to create. Yeah. 
And that's the same for anything, whether it's bourbon. Yeah, absolutely. Different gins are going to provide a different profile for a different type of cocktail. There's certain gins that work better for a, you know, a um, ginger mule than there are for... Thin and yeah. Exactly. So you you have to really be a lot more thoughtful in your process of cocktail making than just saying, oh, well, I just... It's like coloring by the numbers in a book. I only do this way of cocktail making. Well, actually, maybe be a little bit more thoughtful about this because you're actually going to be honoring all the hard work that, you know, some 85-year-old dis- uh, <laughs> uh, grower. <Legend>. And <laughs> Well, no, I mean, not just yeah. the distillers, but these are people that are growing and making the wine themselves. Like, how are you honoring what this man's been doing and his family's been doing for generations if you're just painting by numbers? Man, that's a good point. I think that's people are prone to put ranch dressing on everything right it's like the same kind of thing there's like nothing wrong size, with ranch dressing no i have no problems <laughs> with it at all but one size doesn't always fit all true you've got to be versatile and you have to think about things sometimes you need blue cheese i think so. <laughs> exactly exactly so as you kind of travel the world travel the states talking and evangelizing grape spirits in this particular case cognac is it getting easier are people have you noticed a change in the way people are responding to the trainings, to the ways that you conduct classes? Are they more open to it than ever? I think there's still so many questions about cognac because yeah. cognac has, just like wine, there's a lot of questions about wine as well. Yeah. And you have to make a great wine before you can make a great cognac. So a lot of the questions actually have to do with terroir and because people first, they find out, oh, well, it's made from grapes. Yeah. Hold on. And then they have all of the questions that come from oneology. Yeah. So you cover that stuff. And then, so there's, it just keeps getting more and more and more in depth, which is wonderful yeah. for the people that have kind of been nerding out on it for a while. They're like, I've been waiting to talk about this for so Finally long. Finally, someone asked me about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it just keeps getting more, the questions keep getting more in depth. I think that that's, do you think that that's because people have access to more knowledge now? That they're the absolutely self-initiated are going to go real deep into a topic now. But also people don't feel as intimidated by the category. First there was the, because it starts off as wine, right. how, we get taught how to make a daiquiri. Yeah. We get taught about sugarcane process and the different styles whether what region it comes from we get that education but we don't get the wine education as a base before we get because we know about distillation we know about fermentation and yeast strains but what about the actual growth of grapevines and why you have to plant them three meters apart and why there's rose plants in between every single row in every winery you'll ever see in the world. There's so many things that that you don't, that have so many, they've been doing this for thousands of years. So that so knowledge is yeah. exactly. So we, it's intimidating to try and get that much information in when you're talking, you talk to Assam, they've studied for years. Right. It's not just something that, you know, it's like, there's a reason why you call somebody chef is because they've studied for years to get that technique. You can't just be like, okay, I've been behind a bar for a year. And now I know everything about everything. It's a you lifelong it's not process. Pos- it's a lifelong process. And that's just and one, it keeps- one chapter of it, right? Like the Gave piece. Oh my gosh, we go deep into Mescal. We go deep into gin. We Talk about a terroir spirit. Exactly. Oh my God. It just it spins, spins my brain. But that is the exciting and the riveting part of it too, is that it's, the knowledge is ceaseless. 
you can keep finding out new things. If, and thanks to science, thanks. they keep giving us more information. Those bastards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to relax now and again. I want to turn this off, you know, stop thinking about stuff. So you are here in San Antonio. We yes. talked about the team taco with Mr. Jonathan Smolensky, wonderful gentleman from Vancouver. You have a class that is tomorrow, right? We is have a class on Saturday. Saturday with Robin Nance. With Robin right? Nance. About it's, grapes, I hope. It's yeah. called From uh, Grape to Green. Yeah. It is um, about the historical links between Scotland and France. Oh, so we, like she is the national ambassador for Akintashin, and she is talking about everything that has happened through history. We'll be talking about how long that old alliance has been along. And when yeah. I say old, it's A-U-L-D. A-U-L-D right? And that is a Scottish name for the alliance. For the French, it was called the V, Alliance de V. It's oh, okay. also old, yeah. obviously, in French. So we've been... Uh, we had a common enemy, England, and <laughs> so we banded hey, together. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be talking about that and sipping through um, both Akintashin and Cavazier. That's amazing. And talking about whatever it is that people want to talk about when it comes to both of those categories. Lots to learn, of course. And a lot. Most I, I think you're going to get really insightful questions. It seems like the people that come to the conference every year, they keep getting more insightful and more self-initiated. Absolutely. You know? And because it's been here now, this is, a, I believe it's sixth year. Yeah. And because it's been here now and people are coming from all over the country to be part of it. Now there are people like willing to say, oh, okay, that, that factor of like, I remember when I got to meet Jason Cosmos here for the first oh, time. And okay. I was like, yeah. oh my goodness, I'm so excited. <laughs> and like, I just, just like, wouldn't ask him a question back yeah. then. But now because I've been coming here for six years now, I'm like, oh, I can ask. It's Jason. It's not just Jason Cosmos, yeah. you know? So like, it, it's a great place where it's the city is completely walkable yeah. it is a very unpretentious group of people that come in an unpretentious. unpretentious city and so everybody's so open to connecting with one another yeah. it's such a wonderful experience every year it's it's amazing and i can't wait to see how the festival rather the conference grows and i get to talk to more and more Absolutely. incredible personalities so okay so i've got two questions one's for me okay <laughs> but <laughs> i i can't I, I try to, I'm trying to guess. I'm trying to hypothesize where y- your career will take you next. Can you even think about what that looks like? Are you wanting to own a bar? Are you wanting to... My goal is to get Cavazier to a place where there is more than just me working on it. Okay. There's a, where Because obviously I have such an emotional attachment to this brand yeah. that that is my goal. And I, I believe it'll take about five years to, to have That's pretty that. reasonable, mm-hmm. I think. So to make sure that there are people that will take care of my baby, <laughs> essentially. That, like that. that That's where I see my career going. <laughs> yeah, before you can hand it off. Makes a lot of sense. Well, so here's the question for me. And I ask this sometimes to people. Yes. I'm really excited to think about who you'd want to hang out with. So this is the question. So let's mm-hmm. say you talk about London keep mentioning the American bar at the Savoy. So let's just talk about that bar, right? So Mm -hmm. you're sitting there getting a cocktail of your choice and you could sit and share a drink and have a conversation with anybody alive or dead. Is there anybody you would like to spend a good hour, two hours with, just talking about life with? Jean-Paul Sartre. Sartre, okay, okay. Um, There's so many questions I have. (laughs) 
<laughs> about his writings yeah. um, and about um, existentialism in general. Um, and there's so many links, but obviously for me, it's being able to go to coffee shops that he was at, yeah. being able to see the places. I Because I go to France, I have that attachment to it. I would love to know what it was that that brought him to having the to bringing the students to march you know the, yeah. all of the, it i would love to kind of know more about how he got to thinking about life is what you choose to make it you may you may have things that happen to you but how you react is up to you how did he get to that thought process that i i just find that thought process fascinating it is it's incredibly fascinating mm-hmm. man brilliant it's been such a, a pleasure chatting with you and having never met me or know who I am and to spend some time here during the San Antonio Cocktail Conference up here at the St. Anthony Hotel. Really a great experience for me. Thank you so much for spending some time, Zara. Thank you, Mike. It's been wonderful. Likewise. Chat soon. Thank you. Well, there we have it. The amazing Zara Bates has had an illustrious career in this world, in this industry. It's nice to talk Roman mythology. It's nice to talk about French philosophers step outside the boundaries of booze and hospitality just for a few moments so it was really just an amazing experience she's so light she's so lively she is so enlivened and motivated by the world it's just brilliant to see that shimmer in her eyes when you talk about things like people when you talk about things like france the classics so thanks everybody for listening to show to v with mike g No matter how many of these musical intros you're keeping track of as I am to make sure I'm outputting enough music for you guys, or if you're going to ever shake that obsession you have with 80s horror movies and TV shows, please keep dancing.